your kid just ask where babies come from. Now what? Let's talk about the talk before the talk with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. And we're so glad you're here. We consider it a high compliment that you would take an hour from your busy schedule to spend that hour with us. From vast experience of many of these programs, it won't be a wasted hour. At the end of which, especially for this one, you're going to be really pleased. In case you're wondering, my name's Steve, and I'm the aforementioned old white guy. Matthew Porter is our executive producer. He's here, and he's glad Halloween is over. It's just just too spooky for him. For example, one night, all of his kids' Butterfinger candy bars just disappeared. What happened? (laughs) We may never know. Uh, uh, Do you feel mildly guilty, Matthew? Why? What did you hear? Do you have some evidence? (laughs) I was told to say nothing. I know you, and I know that you have a fallen nature, and I know like (laughs) you like Butterfingers. And rationally, I put it all together and come up with the answer that you should be ashamed of yourself. You're good. How do you get rid of the rappers? (laughs) Our video director and one-man IT department, John Myers, is in his tech bunker. Lately, John's been studying numbers, specifically the number of days until the end of the election cycle. And me too. And uh, Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. He's been inspired profoundly by the Holcomb's prolific writing career. So George has now written a new prosperity gospel book. It's it's called God Wants You to Have a Boat. Oh, <laughs> And Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Kathy is also secretly the sixth member of the Spice Girls. Pumpkin Spice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matthew, you need a vacation, son. (laughs) Yes, Matthew, you do. These things. (laughs) are getting embarrassing to even read. <laughs> hey, we have great guests today. Justin Holcomb is a priest, a professor, and an author. He's written or edited 20 books on abuse, theology, and biblical studies. And Justin also teaches theology and apologetics apologetics at Reformed Theological Seminary and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Lindsay. A. Holcomb works at Samaritan Village, and that's a safe home and therapeutic program for adult survivors of sex trafficking. She's also the co-founder of REST, R-E-S-T, an organization that provides pathways to freedom, safety, and hope for those who are involved in in that industry. Hard place for them. 
and a hard place for those folks. Justin and Lindsay have written several books together, and their latest uh, bundle of joy is called God Made Babies, Helping Parents Answer the Baby Question. Um, thanks for waiting so long to write this. I could have used this a long time. <laughs> you know, one of the good things about being the father of daughters and granddaughters without a single male anywhere to be found is that in restaurants, when they have to go to the bathroom, she has to take them and I get to eat. But more important than that, when the discussion about where babies come from, I get my pipe, go in my study, and shut the door, and Anna is the one that has to tell them. <laughs> You're going to get some myths. For instance, um, just shattered on this program. No, the stork didn't bring them. <laughs> you... Uh, and Kathy sent a note to Justin earlier today and said it's going to be good to have you on the on the program. I wonder where babies come from. My mother never told me. <laughs> so it's going to be information. And usually in these kinds of programs, when the word S-E-X comes up, I say something about little ears and you might want to have them go play with some toys while we discuss adult topics. But that's not true here because they make very clear that this book is not about sex. It's about something else. So, Lindsay, why are Justin either one? Uh, tell me. I, I was kind of disappointed. I was looking for some <laughs> sex and violence in this book. And you couldn't weren't. find either one. That's awesome. What's the book really about? Oh, thanks for having us on today. Um, the book is not about the sex question. It's answering the question your child's going to ask when they say, where do babies come from? Out of curiosity, because they see a pregnant mama, because they see a baby in a stroller or in a parent's arms, they're going to ask that question. It's not about sex. They want to know actually, where did they come from before they were born, before they realized who they were? So it's really them asking about their selves. Yeah, the, the goal is to talk about reproduction, not how things reproduce, but the idea of reproduction, because kids, kids, don't, because they don't know the answer on how babies technically, mechanically, like what needs to happen for them to be made. They're asking the question Lindsay brought up, like, where did I come from? Which is a great question, like the honor to be able to answer that question. So just just so all the listeners know, and grandparents, parents, caregivers, this isn't us giving advice on how to do the talk. One, you need to have more than a talk. But two, um, it's it's about the questions behind that. Before you get to talking about uh, sex, there's a few things, a lot of things that should be discussed before you get there. So that's it's about reproduction and about answering the question Lindsay said. They're asking about themselves. So it's a great opportunity to actually help bestow an identity to the kids in our lives. It's the kind of book you want to get for yourself if you have kids, but you know people. Maybe you're like me, a grandparent, or uh, you have friends who have small children. It is 
an absolutely wonderful book. Both my wife and I read it this morning and just thought, this is so good. You all deal with it in an interesting way. You kind of ease into the subject. Uh, and it's all biblical. Uh, you even quote scripture uh, in the middle of stuff that uh, is profound. But you ease into the subject. Tell us how you do that. We, we start out talking about creation because that's actually what frames the whole reproduction idea. And it just hit me and all of our kids books. This is our third one, but all of our kids books, we keep on going back to the doctrine of creation that God made all things and he made them good. It was the fall messed things up, but everything was originally good. And so we started with that. And what we want to do one is written for kids. It's actually a kid's book with illustrations and pictures. So it's not, it's not a book to parents to tell them some advice. It's actually uh, putting the ideas in the child's mind with images. So we wanted to start with like creation because kids like stars and planets and animals and fish and lions. And so we go through the creation story and say, God likes to make things. He makes all of these different things and he likes making things so much that he made things that can make other things. So we want them to have this idea of wonder of like, wait a second, God really likes making things. He's got to really like making to make things that can make other things. So that way it frames the reproduction conversation as participating in something that God does and, and something that he's called us to do, like be fruitful and multiply. Like he's, he's bestowed that to his creation, not just humans, but to seeds and flat well, flowers and fish and monkeys and, and platypus and birds, all these different things make things so that we wanted to frame it with wonder, get their attention. That way they're not, they're not running too quickly to, okay, this part of mom and this part of dad. And like, that's the, that's the specifics of the talk. So framing it with, this was God's idea. And isn't that kind of neat? Like, so again, eliciting wonder from the child is the whole idea. You know, the thing that's so good about this is that uh, it starts so early and it's so basic and it's so important those years and how you do it and how you say it and how you teach it and how you illustrate it. So this is a book, not just about how babies are made, but how big God is and how kind he is and how valuable they are. It's a good place to start. And you ought to get this book. Uh, it's a delightful book with the illustrations. I now hold it in my nicotine stained uh, hands. God made babies, helping parents answer the baby question. And then at the end, there is a note to you parents that you'll find very helpful too. Guys, we're gonna we're gonna back out for a little while, but don't go anywhere because this is gonna be an interesting discussion, and it's one that you probably haven't heard before some insights that'll make a difference in your life. So hang in while we sell product like Jesus, we will return. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc., 
If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, it's good to have you with us. I say it all the time and mean it all the time. You always have a place at our table. Uh, This is a delightful book. It's a children's book. And you haven't you haven't read anything like this before. This this handles something in a very different and wonderful and profound way. And it's not just where babies come from. It has to do with God and what's he like and what does he do and what part does he play in it? And you'll love this book and you'll want to give it to all of your friends who have small children um guys i really i i enjoyed going through the book i mean the illustrations are fun and and it's even kind of um handy i thought for um parents um you know comparing the fetus size to the number of weeks that at four Mm -hmm. weeks it's you know as big as a poppy seed and seven weeks as big as a blueberry and so forth and i thought you know that would be a, a cool way to explain it to kids. But um, and one of the things I also really like kind of setting the table, your goal is to uh, note to the parents, uh, your goal is to create an atmosphere that encourages questions, asking and answering on the part of both of you and your child. And I thought, you know, just putting that right up front and clarifying, making sure people are are trying to set the environment. But uh, Lindsay, um, one of the things we were talking about off air was what what ages um, would parents anticipate the questions coming up along this line? And I'm sure it's different stages, but. Sure. No, that's a great question because it is a very normal and healthy and developmentally age appropriate question. And it typically will spring up around three, four, five. Um, That's when children start to notice like there's a pregnant woman or all of a sudden a baby appears, you know, with a mom in the classroom or it's another classmate is maybe talking about a sibling that was born. So three, four five, they start to notice that and it really sparks their curiosity. And so Justin, I thought this book will help equip parents so that they can start preparing for these conversations, which are going to be inevitable, whether their child's going to initiate or the parent needs to initiate um, so that they can be that important 
kind of sounding board of information for their child. And our hope with this book is that they will not, by, by being prepared, the parent's going to make it a casual, just natural conversation and um, not make it weird. Because I think that's where a lot of us as parents come from, of just this place of anxiety or awkwardness where we think, oh, I'm going to mess it up. Um, or I've got so much pain in my past from um, sexual sins and sexual abuse that's happened to us or things that we've done before in our past that just maybe is making it a really muddled conversation. And so we just thought, let's make a book that parents can read with their children around two, three, four, five and up. Um, but typically those preschool, early kindergarten years are when children are asking. Um, but another age is that most children are hearing about sex from their peers by age eight, which is third grade. Mm. And we found a lot of our friends were talking to their kids. They would take them away for a big weekend and have the big mm. sex talk when their child was in fifth grade, which is 11 or 12. Well, Justin will probably share some stats, but way before age 11 or 12, your child is hearing things. They're having questions. They're wondering. Um, and who's going to answer them? If it's not you, it's going to be somebody else for sure. And they're going to get some really bad information if we as parents are not um, having small, frequent conversations with them. I think taking your child away for a weekend away at a certain age could be a really beautiful thing, but do not let that be it. Justin and I have very different backgrounds of how we were raised. I had a video when I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. It was kind of like a sex, sex ed 101, and that was it. There was no discussion. There was no follow-up. Do you have any questions? It was just the video as opposed to Justin's story, which was really beautiful with a lot of conversation. So he felt really free to ask questions. And then he, of course, went and told his whole kindergarten class about what he learned. But that's another story. A teacher <laughs> from teacher. the beginning. Yes. <laughs> it was destined to be. <laughs> well, it was in kindergarten and on recess, I saw frogs mating, but I didn't know what they were doing. So I caught the frogs and I went back after recess and I said, we did show and tell after recess. I said, can I go first? Cause I got something. And the teacher was like, yeah, sure. I got it. And I said, what? <laughs> what are they doing? Frogs. <laughs> They're and playing you lead were frog. not only a teacher in those early years, you were a troubler in Israel and still are. So the teacher, I said, what are they doing? And the teacher said, Boys and girls, go home and tell your mommy and dad and your family that you saw frogs dancing. So I went home and I told my mom and dad that I saw frogs dancing. And uh, that was at dinner. My, my dad looked at my mom and they gave this like knowing look and nod. And he said, hey, before after dinner, before you go out and play, I want to talk to you for a little bit. And I was like, OK, sounds good. So my dad's artist, he got out, got out a sketch pad and a pencil and started drawing a naked Bodies and I was like, this is spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> wait till I tell the class. <laughs> I can hardly wait to get back to the kindergarten class. You both knew the value of a strong visual aid. That's impressive. <laughs> so my dad explained it to me. It just seemed, it was just so kind of normal part of the conversation. Like he was teaching me what I saw. And he said, This is up for the this is this is for something for adults to talk to the kids like parents and caregivers so i don't want you to say anything to anyone about this okay because i wanted to tell you and that way you and i can if you have more questions let's follow up do you understand and we just had the that pathway of that conversation was was laid down so the next day at uh school um i completely disobeyed my father and i was like guys 
talking about You're something. not going to believe this. <laughs> I came in. I came they in. They weren't dancing. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. Those frogs, they were not dancing. This is what I went around and I was like, so let me tell you about my private parts. Boy, I started explaining everything else around like what was going on. And uh, uh, at one point, uh, uh, I was very descriptive and and explain things and tried to lead the class and uh, my table in a show and tell. And <laughs> you know, very well. so I was like, look, everyone looked like, so I was kids. Were exposed <laughs> so so then, my dad did find out that I uh, had violated his command, but uh, yeah, but that did build, it did build some trust right there with my dad. And I was five. Mm-hmm. And so that's not always the age, but the, the stat Lindsay was talking about is, the average age of porn exposure is 10. That's the Whoa. average. And it's usually by accident. They're not looking for it. Um, so if children are hearing about sex at eight from their peers, an average porn exposure is 10. That means some eight-year-olds, some 12-year-olds, but that porn exposures in that window, uh, being there and, and laying down the groundwork to have these conversations sooner than later is, is really helpful. It actually is really caring for the kid because when you, if you're exposed to pornography, that can be a traumatizing, really intense thing to yeah. have support and go. So you, the kid's not feeling shame. So it's anticipating that. And, and when we get back, we can talk about what specifics would look like. Like, like what, what are the conversations? You just go dive straight into, all right, like just try not to make it weird, but this is weird talking to a five-year-old about this. Well, there, there are some levels of conversations that you get to and Lindsay talk- we'll get to that on the other side of the break <laughs> and maybe Lindsay will tell us the name of that video for you parents that aren't buying any of this and would rather just leave the room and play a film <laughs> don't go anywhere we're coming back From Key Life comes two mini books, What Do You Do for a Living and Life After Retirement. What Do You Do for a Living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know, a gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What do you do for a living and life after retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, our friends, and their latest book is called God Made Babies, Helping Parents, Answering the Baby Question. You can keep up with them for Justin, justinholcomb.com, on Twitter and Facebook at Justin Holcomb, and Lindsay is on Twitter at Lindsay Holcomb. 
So this uh, this topic is very relevant for me. We just had our we have four babies. We had our first conversation this year. I'm like, I'm pretty cool. You know, I've delivered uh, talks in front of people. I can I can handle this. And I had a lot of hand wringing in the preparation leading up to it. And then during you're like, here we go. There's no we're crossing the Rubicon now, man. Um, <laughs> but your approach to this, gosh, I wish I had this 12 months ago, because basically the, the, the two things. One is this idea that you've got to deliver this perfect talk. And it's, you know, and it's like, no, it take the pressure off right because there's going to be a series of talks and there's room to have a talk before the talk which is what's so great about this one is like you can talk to them when they kind of get curious about it there's there's layers to it and the other thing is that idea of like we're gonna have this big fabulous weekend which i love but the more detailed plans get the more likely it's gonna get pushed off and not scheduled and not actually happen, which is maybe not necessarily a good thing. But but talk to more uh, to us in more detail about uh, the levels, the kind of entry points where you can uh, arrive at this conversation. Well, you said it just in this um, last couple of seconds. You you said frequent conversations, and that's one thing Justin and I always want to tell parents is have small, frequent conversations, because no kid wants to sit down for a lecture or a power PowerPoint slide. Worst head talk ever. No, they just want, they just want their question answered and then they want to go on their way. Um, and so for parents, keep that in mind that, mm. you know, typically the younger the child, the less details they need, but you can also a couple of things. If they ask you a question and you're like, I don't know, or I don't know how to start. You can always say like, Hey, let me, let me go think about that. Or let me go look that up and I'll get back to you. I mean, I wouldn't do that every time they ask a question. Cause then they're going to really just think that you don't know anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can definitely feel free if you need to like take a pause. Um, but one of the questions that young ones typically kind of when they ask, you know, what is that pointing to a pregnant belly or where did where did a baby come from um, when they're super young is you can just say, well, baby grows in a mama's belly and comes out when he or she is ready. And that typically will satisfy their curiosity. That's like a three, four, five age kind of question. Um, and so just small details and you can ask them at the end, like, do you have any more questions to kind of see where they're at? And they might be like, nope, I want to go play. And then they'll go on their way. And then maybe that might buy you a year. It might buy you six months. It might buy you two years. Um, but then the next question is going to be, well, it's, um, a mama and a daddy make a baby. And so God takes a little bit of mama and a little bit of daddy. And then God grows you and puts you in mama's belly. And then you grow there and then you come out and you can teach them the proper ways that babies come out. Um, you can talk to them about C-sections. This might be if your child's super curious, you can talk to them about IVF and adoption, um, just all the different ways that babies come into surrogacy, um, all the different ways that babies can make their way into this world. And so that you just have to gauge with where your child is. And then that might give you a year. That might be, again, just a couple months, but then eventually you're going to need to let them know. So I want to pause here because this is this is where I learned from Lindsay, because one of the girls asked the question. I'm thinking, OK, we got to get in there and talk about all this stuff. And she was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let's answer their question. Mm. That's the thing is parents go, oh, this is the talk time. And we yeah. kind of and I you don't hear the question. And mm. she's like, 
here we go. And so she just did it. And I was like, that was enough. Like God takes a part of mom and a part of dad and grows a baby. That was literally like a year and a half. I mean, I think year, year and a half. So that for me was just super important. And then later on, finally, they say, what, what's the question? Well, then one of them said, I think the younger one, she was like, exactly how, how does God take a little bit of mom and a a little bit of dad and knit you together? And um, I was like, okay, now this is when we have to launch into um, explaining. And we had talked about, and this is very important for parents to name the body parts, give them their proper terms. This helps a lot with sexual abuse prevention. It just gives, it empowers them. This is their body that God has made. These parts were made good. Um, these private parts are private. You can talk to them about inappropriate and appropriate touch. Um, but there is going to be a point when you are going to need to talk about how the penis and the vagina come together. You do not need to get into mechanics or where or when, I mean, your child might, I think one of our kids wanted to know like, well, when, what is the schedule for this? (laughs) But, um, you just keep it pretty basic about how a man's penis goes into a woman's vagina and then a baby grows inside the mama's belly. You don't need to get into anything else necessarily at a, at a young age. Um, typically as they get older, they're going to need to know more things, but at a young age, when they're asking and you've kind of gone through the levels, that would be probably one of the last ones that you need to get to. Um, and that's, you know, your kid, you know what they're asking, you know, they're kind of age, what's age appropriate for them. And so that's where it's, it's going to be different for every parent. Steve said they probably don't need to watch out for little ears. And I just want to make a note. It was Here Lindsay, <laughs> it was Lindsay <laughs> who, who is going to cause there to be like some type of warning. Not me this time. That's but right. She's the one drawing the dirty pictures. Oh, no. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. In case they were little ears like no four-year-olds or something. Hey guys, this is such a wonderful book and you can get a flavor by just listening to these guys talk. God made babies, helping parents answer the baby question. Don't go away. He was irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, she seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes... Go talk to somebody face-to-face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. you're with us thanks for joining us uh, we're talking uh, to the Holcombs about uh, a book called God made babies uh, by the way if you ever walk into a room and suddenly feel that people there were talking about you they were 
<laughs> and it's because you haven't yet subscribed to the weekly Key Life email, Key Life Connection. So while you're thinking about it, as soon as this program is over, go to keylife.org slash subscribe. Uh, you've been you've been talking about the the kind of the levels of the discussion and and your book really focuses on the like the first two, I, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, going on from there, what uh, and and what, you know, maybe tie in how, how why do you kind of take this approach to it? Yeah. Well, and that's helpful because I want parents to know that the book isn't doing the talk or the talks. We're, we're getting to God takes a little part of mom and a little part of dad and grows a baby because we want parents to be able to determine how that specific conversation about that third level takes place and when it takes place. It's up to parents to decide and every kid's different. But the importance of doing this conversation is because you want to lay the groundwork of trust. And, and when you lay the groundwork of trust, and you have that conversation when they're four and then five and then six and seven, eight. So now my daughters are in sixth and eighth grade and uh, they, they had the mechanics talk with Lindsay. She, we just told that story in the last, last episode or last uh, segment, but they, they come to me usually when I'm driving, cause there's no eye contact and they can ask from the back, like, Hey dad, what about this? And so I get, and Lindsay gets questions too, but I get bombarded with really specific questions and they kind of giggle or my eighth grader. I love this. I love the fact that my eighth grade, my 13 year old daughter, when I'm saying goodnight to her, praying with her, she'll say, Hey dad, I heard a word at school. Can you explain what this is? Um, I love the fact that there's a pathway of trust built there where she knows I'm going to honor her question and she can ask the question. I would rather her hear me talk about it and frame some of these words that she's hearing or, or activities that she's hearing about from classmates than her looking online, which she couldn't because that's on lockdown, but asking a friend and hearing it only from a friend. So the idea that that sounds like loving and caring for my daughter that she has parents who will listen to her. So you lay that, you build that trust. And the reason all of this is the benefit of this is what we call pick your pain, pick your pain. You can either deal with the awkwardness of having the conversation. Like if let's just be honest, it's weird talking to a little kid about how babies are made. Like, and not weird that it's just, it's not a normal conversation you ever have in your life except for when you have a kid and a reason to talk about it. So it's not a common conversation. So you can either, you can either avoid that pain and then you'll, you can, you can avoid that pain, but then you'll have way more pain in the future when your kid is frustrated and regrets and you regret that you didn't do more caring and teaching and, you know, training of your child, or you can deal with the awkwardness of being asked questions and feeling because of guilt or shame, some type of disease, but you do that pain now. So you don't have bigger pain in the future. So pick your pain is the invitation. Um, it doesn't need to be painful, but it just works well because it starts with a P. So <laughs> pick your pain and decide when you want to have it now or later. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to go back a couple steps before. Um, I would imagine that the issue of, of creating a, a safe atmosphere um, obviously is different dependent 
on the age of the children um, with whom you're talking also different if you've begun this process very early on, like you're talking about, um, you know, the creating that is a whole lot easier if you've had it, you know, multiple times before that. But as you were saying, Justin, it, it is weird. And sometimes it's like, it's like, it's not the kids that are weird. It's the parents who are weird. Um, and so, and I would imagine again, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine again, that the parents are weird, probably more weird if they haven't begun this process a whole lot earlier. Cause it's like all of a sudden, if you have a 12 year old and you're having to go, Whoa, this, how, what about weird parents? How do parents not be weird? I mean, this is really a very weird subject. That's a great question. We were actually talking with a group um, a couple weeks ago. And one of the things parents, I think, often feel is like, I was such a failure with, you know, sexual purity back in my day. Who am I to give advice to my child about anything related to, to sex or the topic of, or I've got so much pain from things that were done to me. And so parents can come into the conversation feeling very awkward, feeling very weird, but I would just encourage parents like you are their best resource. God has picked you specifically to parent this child. And you are the one that they really do want to hear from, especially like Justin said, with our 13 year old, she's hearing all these different terms from specifically some of the boys in her grade. And the fact that she can come home and say like, Hey, I heard this. Is this, is this something inappropriate or is this something sexual or what is this? And there's been a few times I'm like, I do not know that phrase. Um, it's something, you know, new and maybe on TikTok, and we don't, we're not on that. So I'm like, hold on, let me go look it up. Um, but I think my encouragement to parents is be that person for them because our world is so over-sexualized. They're going to just be getting things left and right. If we can be that place of calm for them to come in and feel like they can ask a question or say, I, I saw something weird so that they don't sit in that confusion or darkness um, is such a gift to them. And I've told some parents who haven't used the phrases for the body parts. I'm like, all right, get in your car, close the door and just start saying them over and over again. So it's not awkward. Um, but really how parents communicate is just as important as what they say. And so trying to tell parent, okay, stay calm. Don't reveal shock, embarrassment, concern, like don't your discomfort can heap on shame. Um, and so really telling them like, that's a great question. Like, what do you think? And that kind of gives you a second to buy some time, hear what they're thinking. Maybe, you know, where did you hear that? Or, or tell me, so you can get a little bit of lay of the land before you know what you're walking into. Um, and then there's always freedom that a parent can say like, you know what? I don't know. Let me, let me get back to you on that. Um, so there's a lot of options, but I would just encourage parents, you know, we as parents will search out the best car seats, we'll put them in swim lessons, we get them all, you know, the, the right doctors and the dentists, we do all these things to help them to be strong and very confident and, and capable. This is just another thing that as parents, we are called to do um, for their protection and, and to equip them in this world. So mm, that would be my so advice. Good. Wow. This has been a great hour. Boy, it's gone by fast. You guys once again have done a really good thing for people a gift you got to get this book it's called god made babies by justin and lindsay holcomb uh, you'll rise up and call them blessed 
just as we do. Guys, thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, And thank you for taking the time and the effort to write this book. Blessings on you both. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Guys, we're going to come back right after the break. Tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. And as always, you're going to be shocked. So don't go anywhere. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer. And I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. Hey, we really appreciate you taking an hour from what's a busy schedule to be with us. And we try not to waste your time. And by and large, we don't. A good example of that is what we've been talking about in the last hour. Guys, we live in a crazy, mixed up, morally pygmy-like world. And you've got a responsibility to your kids. And uh, these guys have some good advice, not only in the book. The book is a great book, and you're going to love it. And uh, if you don't have kids or your grandparents, you want to give them to your kids to give to their kids and to your friends. Because this is not just about where babies come from or just about making the talk about sex or doing it right or doing it wrong. It has implications that are incredible in our culture. There are a lot of people in our culture who don't buy what you buy and who want to take it from you and from your kids, and they do it in unconscionable ways. And the way you fight that isn't with a gun, not even necessarily with a vote. It's what you do with your children. It's the time you spend with them and what you teach. It's called giving them a compass. And it'll be there for their whole lives, even when they don't want it to be there and wish you hadn't put it there. They can't get rid of it. So make sure that compass is pointing in the right direction. Make sure you give it to your kids It's the best gift you can possibly give. Kathy, who's going to be on next week? Next week is uh, Charlie Collins. And um, Charlie has written a book, uh, his title, Happily Ever After, Rediscovering God's Intent for Your Marriage. And um, 
it's an interesting, interesting story about a, a marriage that was seriously headed down the tubes. Right, Steve? <laughs> In fact, we've been friends long enough for me to watch it. When I first met Charlie, I wouldn't have given you a dime for his marriage. He asked me to pray, and I did, but it was not with faith. I said, Lord, I don't even believe you can fix this thing. Some things are hard for even you, but he did. And he did it in a wonderful way, and we'll hear the story next week. By the way, we hope you join us next week. Same time, same place. And between now and then, don't do anything we wouldn't. That gives you a wide, wide berth.